0: It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage
1: in truth. Here's John Bornstein.
0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in today. We've had a lot of fun over the last couple weeks as we are talking about creation. And we had the, the discussion about how long the did, did really did it take to create everything? I mean, the Bible tells us that it was six days for creation. And so we explored that to great detail over two weeks, really examining, can we trust the Bible when it says that it was one day? A yam? was in a 24-hour period of time. And really, how old is the earth? We've had so a lot of fun really going through all of this. And so I hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard. And if I've at least piqued your interest, please go to calvaryfountain.com and you can listen to that broadcast and more there all at your leisure as we equip the saints for the work of ministry. You can go through it time and time again, share with your friends and family alike. Well, today we continue in that vein of thought. It is the Christmas season, but what we want to do today Is continue with the discussion that we began those last couple weeks as we were talking about the creation itself and a 24-hour period of time. What that really helped us to do was expand our thoughts a little bit further into the idea of the timeless God that we worship, that God is atemporal. He is outside of time. He breathes immense complexity into existence and he needs no time to do it. In fact, he created all of the galaxies, as many as we can behold, and all the stars around us and the immense complexity that we can't even see with the naked eye as we examine even the depth and beauty and design of the human body itself that Michael B. He said is more complex than our entire solar system. So when we examine these things, all it does is help us behold the majesty of God. And so as we continue in our discussion today, we're going to look at the physics of heaven. And it's not a program just to geek out over the science of things, although that's fun to do. Really, what our hope is to do through this particular broadcast, and really this program of Engage in Truth, is to bask in the awesomeness of God. And so to help me do that here in the studio, Dr. Steve Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth.
1: Thank you, John. This is so great. I think one of these times we'll have to have him turn on the mic early for our pre-recording discussion because we have so much fun getting ready for these shows and we just as John says, we just geek out over our God and how amazing our Heavenly Father is, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And and we just love them so much. And, and and the one of the points of today's show would just be to appreciate how amazing and awesome and how huge God is and even as you were talking about the galaxies pre-show, we were talking about Psalm 8, talking about God's fingertips are, you know, creating the galaxies and it's just his right. fingertips. And that's, you know, and also, as you had mentioned, that it's not that that the universe dwarfs God. God dwarfs the universe. I mean, that's how huge mm-hmm. our Abba Father is. That's how powerful and amazing he is. And then we look out and we see in this incredible creativity And what an artist God is. That's right. And uh, that he put us in a a place in our solar system where we can actually observe that and glorify him. It's just... God is just so, so good to us. right? Yeah, it's just so great to be able to be here together and just be able to appreciate that and share that with our listeners.
0: Yeah, and, and to think that this time of year, as many might be hearing Christmas messages right. already, right. As they should expect to hear at this sure. time of season and year, but we want to really build into that with this because as we look out and we see the magnificent creation of God, Dr. Ford, as you were mentioning before the broadcast, that all it does is help us appreciate even more the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind of Jesus Christ coming incarnate in a, is a, in a manger baby, the form of all he gave up and everything he gave up of his throne over all that he had created to come down to be God with us. That's love. That is. (laughs) And and my hope in this is that as you listen to us, geek out over God for a bit uh, is that, you know, in this particular season, I am heavy of heart as I come to the uh, the radio studio today because we've lost yet another family member, a friend, a family member. We call our our church members family that's right. because that's what they are. We're a family after all, and we've lost now three individuals just wow. before Thanksgiving and now to today. And in the the season, it's a heaviness of our heart that it is we we just you know we just want to turn on a Hallmark movie, you know, put on <laughs> our Christmas lights and just right? pretend those sorrows aren't really there. But in the reality of it, we have to face this fact that around us people are still struggling and there That's are right. many sorrows. But as we examine this wonderful examination of the majesty of God and what happens when we graduate from this body to be in the in the presence of a timeless, atemporal God in His holiness and splendor, the, the things of this world will pale in comparison so greatly that according to even Philippians chapter 1, we should almost be jealous right. of these who have graduated from this flesh to be yeah. in the presence of God right. like we see in Revelation 7. In fact, it wasn't long ago, I remember listening to a message from Dr. Richard Swenson, and he wrote the book Margin, and he was talking about the faith that moves mountains in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And he says, well, if you read the text, it's a powerful one. Let me just remind us again of what it says. It says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so what we see there is something quite extraordinary. Uh, they understood it as m- moving something that seemed insurmountable, something that couldn't be moved, that the God who moves the impossible through us, uh, and this comes by way of prayer and fasting, that it's not our power or any manufacturing of the mind, or uh, if we have great faith that somehow if we can just think really hard about it but rather it's the total belief in the awesomeness of God, a God who can do the impossible and nothing is impossible for him, who operates outside of time even, and he holds the entire universe and all that he has created in his hand, and we bask in that glory. And I remember he was going on to say that his son was serving overseas, and he was fighting for our country in a very uh, serious situation, in fact, that he was in. I mean, many have who are listening to this broadcast, have served overseas right. and have fought for our country and put themselves in life and death situations. And his son was in one of those particular situations. And he was very distraught for his well-being, so he prayed. And he said, you know, I told my son I was going to pray every single day for his well-being. And I woke up one morning, and I realized I'd gotten busy and had not prayed for him yesterday because I hadn't fulfilled my commitment. So I said, I'm going to pray. Lord, would you please protect my son yesterday? And he, and, the, and it got me thinking thinking. I was like, wow, my mind is so linear. Everything that I think of that I try to move God into my line of thinking, that it's almost like putting a measuring tape on a table. And that's how I operate. I'm in this continuum of asymmetry of time that everything that I think and do, there was past, there's future, and there's this blip that's called the present. The moment I've just lived it, it's already in the past. And everything I'm about to say is in the future. And I have no thing called the present, but I think like that. And I operate like that because God created everything in this universe within that construct of the space-time continuum. And so what he was trying to get us to think of in just his you know, short blip right. that he threw out there and just got my mind to explode <laughs> was the possibility that, yes, I, I speak to a God who is outside of even time. Not that I'm asking him to change the past. But to pray a little differently to a God who is above and beyond it all, who created those limitations that we operate within, that He is not operating within. He is beyond all of that. He holds it all in His hand. And in 1909, I remember the theory. I wasn't there, but I remember reading of it. And <laughs> 1909, the theory of special rel- relativity that had the four dimensions. And and then later on in 2008, uh, the uh, this multi-billion-dollar project, a five-billion-dollar project at that time, called the Large hadron collider fired up and scientists physicists began talking about the 11 dimensions of the space-time continuum that you could bend space that as einstein had theorized that you could suddenly accelerate at certain speeds and actually age at a slower pace than those who were caught up in a gravitational pull and that's been actually tested and proven to be accurate which is quite fascinating but in this particular study, what he was trying to get us to understand is, like, think about what mind God has given to men, that they can conceptualize the idea of even thinking about 11 different dimensions and that God is outside of even all of that. If we can even get a glimpse of it in the 60 million plus minds that are dwelling on these things as they have you know, maybe gotten their degrees in these particular fields and they still can't even come close to the awesomeness of God. And so here they're thinking about bending space and time. And and if you really put that construct together, that means you could, in theory, be in a million places at once, conducting a million conversations for a million years, and not one second go by. And that's just what men can conceptualize. (laughs) So imagine just how much grandiose, how bigger it is for God compared to man. Yeah. And I know that uh, Dr. Ford, a couple weeks ago, we were even talking about dark matter. Right, you know, All these right. things in the universe. Yeah. It's like, we know so little. Yeah. Every time we figure something out new, it's like, wow, look, who, look how big God is yeah. in the midst of this. It
1: was so cool. We were, uh, we were talking, um, I think, what one is that? Was that uh, Hebrews Hebrews 11.3? Yeah. You know, yeah, Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of out of things visible. So I mean, definitely, when you when you look at the context of that scripture, you can say, well, that could be God is not visible. God's invisible. The word of God is invisible. But ninety six percent of the universe is invisible. Dark matter and dark energy make up ninety six percent of the universe. Ninety six percent of the universe we can't see. Mm, right. So it's just you know once again, if you if you take that, that's also another possible extrapolation of that verse that. These things that are visible were made out of these things that are not visible. And and once again, as you go back to physics, God created physics. It's physics that tells us that this dark matter and this dark energy is out there because it's it's the only thing that explains the way things work in the universe.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you have uh, this this idea that everything within the universe is even connected by the things we can't see, which comes right back to Colossians, right. where he tells us that he holds all things together. In him, all things consist and we covered that a couple weeks ago even. And, and the reason why I think this is so important for our listener today is that as we are talking about that, the idea that God could breathe the complexity that we use or see all around us and, and dwell within, within six earth days, uh, is no limitation to God whatsoever. In, in fact, as I've even studied the book of Revelation and prophecy in general, uh, we have all of these instances, in fact, the, the book of Revelation has 100 at least instances of seven occurrences. So the numeral seven and seven sequences of events and situations, even seven years, and all of these things that are broken out in the book of Revelation, they all seem to occur in patterns of seven. And there are seven moments in the throne room of God. And you see that in Revelation 4, 5, 7, 8, 11, 15, and 19. So all seven of those instances, what got me thinking about this is in Revelation chapter seven, and then you flip over to Revelation chapter 21, you see some verbiage that's used there that gets just the mind racing with the possibilities. Because there's an instance here, as we look to Revelation chapter seven, where the verbiage there, he talks about how he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more sorrow as we're gathered before the presence of God And it says that they serve him day and night in his temple. Well, the same verbiage is used in Revelation chapter 21, except it says that there is no sun or moon. There's no darkness there. So you go, wait a minute, are these two different instances in time or is he using something that we can wrap our finite brains around? That he has to use an equation that we can understand. We try to, we then understand night and day and that construct of time, but in a place of timelessness, with the atemporal God who controls all time, it does a, is there a clock in heaven? <laughs> I think that's what we really ask ourselves. And because as people are are going to services of funerals and 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 respecting those who have now graduated on before us as First Corinthians fifteen describes, that they are transformed into a new body and now to be present with the Lord that's forever. Exactly correct. I've just wondered that those of us who have experienced loss and we have family members who have gone on before us, do they are they really cognizant of any time passing at all for us little earth dwellers? That yeah. they're now in the presence of God. I just don't see a clock on the wall in heaven, right? Where they're thinking, "Hey, in six like the, more c- years, the countdown clock." Yeah, yeah I, I get to be with my family <laughs> member again in six more years. Yeah. Or is it really like this? The theories that we have a special relativity, where in the presence of God, there is no cognizant understanding, even or even. Awareness of time passing, because how would you even track time in the presence of God? Why would you even track time in timelessness or where there isn't the second law of thermodynamics and entropy? And that's why we we track time after all, right? Right. Because everything moves toward decay and disorder. The energy within each cell mass disintegrates, and planet masses deteriorate, suns go dark, everything moves toward entropy. So we use this rotation on our axis as we revolve around the sun as our measurement for how quick things are moving toward decay. So why would you even track time right. in a you're place not, of timelessness? Yeah. When you're not
1: moving towards decay. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And, and so I, I think that what we we gain from that is that there's almost the sing, single moment with the Lord where present is ever elusive here, because we think about that in the way that we our mind operates. Everything has a start and a stop. We, we think in sentence structure. We write a sentence, we put a period, we begin the next sentence— and you wonder then is the presence of God as we, we graduate from this flesh to be with him is it's one long period. There's never another sentence, or never a past or a future, it always is. You're in the presence of God forever. He is always the creator over even our immortal states as we are with him. We'll never be him or be like him, but we'll be with him. And we'll be as like him uh, as we see that, that. That's a gift to us, and that's a blessing given to us. We have we now receive immortality in a body like his and to know him, and the knowledge of God will go everywhere. But I just wonder if we'll be learning from him then forever. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just an imagine this. And our reason why we say all this on the air is because as we've been talking about the God who is above all of this, we can so lose sight of him in the noise of this world. And I e get caught up into uh, very dark places of depression, loneliness, feeling isolated, purposeless, and that's not what God has for us at all. It's like He holds the entire universe in a box in His hand, and and when we graduate out of that box, we come into His presence to explore all that he has for us forever and ever. And he has marked you as his own. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in to dwell with you and you become a temple of the living God. And he walks with you through this journey of life and you only live it once. And afterwards, you're with him forever and ever.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And you know, when we're told to be crucified to this life, everything that God does is for our own good. If we're crucified to this life and our focus is on him, there goes fear and anxiety, there goes hopelessness, there goes depression. If we're keeping our eyes on him and you know he he does these things, he asks these things of us for a reason because he loves us and he wants the best for us. When right. Jesus even says that. It's like, you know, you're sinful, but you're still, you know, you try to be loving towards your kids. I mean, how much more is our heavenly Father loving and 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 sort of provide uh, all of our, all the things that are necessary for us? Um because he's perfect.
0: That's right. He is our Abba Father. Yeah. He loves us greatly. I, I I don't know. I geek out like you do when we yeah. talk about the science of things. We've you know really unofficially called this program the physics of heaven right. as we've explored it. And I kept thinking, what is time? I mean, as I go to funeral services and I try to encourage folks to say, you think about this: if you graduate from this flesh, how much time are you waiting to join your loved one in the presence of God? Are they even cognizant of any time at all? Could it be for them that it's almost instantaneous? But for us, we're the only ones limited by this thing called time. So as we even go through the book of Revelation and you see a tribulation period that is forthcoming and the rapturing of the church and so forth that must come. And and we we see it as the final week that Daniel prophesied of a seven-year period of time. But in Revelation 7, you see these multitudes gather before the throne of God. And you just wonder if, if they just kind of go right to the end. Like there is no delay for those in the presence of God. While we know delay... To think that when we graduate from this flesh, maybe it's almost as if we're all there together. Yeah. There is no delay for them. And, and so there's great encouragement, actually, for all of us to think that we almost arrive simultaneously <laughs> as if no time had ever transpired. <laughs> no, yeah, no pining like away. Moses and Paul and all of us just simply arrive at the same time. It could feel that way, certainly. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about what time really is, I mean, I you know, I don't want to geek out too much here, but, <laughs> you know, when we think about those gravitational poles and the four-dimensional space-time continuum that we're in and just some of the theories that we have about that, there was this movie called Interstellar that came out a few years back and it gave this guy, this idea about how we measure time. And and in one particular instance, there was a spacecraft that's orbiting around this strange planet and it's far away from Earth. And there are three individuals aboard the spacecraft. Well, two of them go down to the surface. One stays on the spacecraft. We know how this goes. The ones who go down to the planet only age two hours, while the one who stays on the spacecraft ages 20 years. And that's just some of the theory that we've talked about in Special Relativity of of even the gravitational pulls of of how the space-time continuum operates, that you could travel at light speed. And maybe you only age an hour, while everybody on Earth ages like a hundred years, right. and that you know all of the variables uh, of matter and gravity and distance and light and all of these things that affect what we call time today, were all created by God, because of the way we think, it, it, we try to bring God down to our level, right. instead of us. When we meditate on the things of God. We actually transcend the limitations of our mind and go into a place of timelessness and, and bask in the awesomeness of who he is. And, and I think that's really the joy that the psalmist had. He's always encouraging us through each of the psalms. And of course, we know that King David didn't write all of them, yeah. some Moses and other, the uh, the songwriters in Israel and many of those who were designated with the responsibilities of worship. And through each of them, what we see is this meditating on the things of God, the worshiping of who Glory he is and the awesomeness of who he is, because, you know, quite frankly, I get stuck in the ideas of time and I go, well, wait a minute, what? how old would I really be on, on say, Mercury or on Jupiter? I, I mean, since here on Earth, it takes 24 hours to make one full rotation around this our axis, and we think, okay, I've aged a day, but on other planets, one day is very different. I mean, it's nine hours on Jupiter to complete one day. On Mercury, it's 1,400 hours or 58 hours. Earth years. So there are 365 days in one Earth year, not accounting for leap years and that sort of thing, which amounts to about 8,760 hours. That means in my life, if I drink glacier water and eat right, I might live about 90 Earth years. But by comparison, I'd only be one and a half years old on Mercury, (laughs) right? So if Mercury were on the same orbit around the, the sun as the Earth while using the same measurements and so forth. But as I look at all of that and you look at the asymmetry of time you start to realize that things in heaven don't quite operate the same way here on earth. I mean, the whole destination of all of this has been Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21-22. It always pointed to God. It was always this one-way directional course that leads all of us into the presence of God forever and ever, those who would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord through repentance, where the law of thermodynamics will never reign over us ever again, yeah. the laws of sin and its destruction will no longer have victory over us, and we see and behold then a God who holds all of time in his hand, and Second Peter 3, 8 suddenly comes to life for us, where he says, one day is to the Lord Jehovah as a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one day. And yeah. Psalm 90, verse 4, for you a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours." And that's who we get to bask in his glory forever and ever. And let me read another one here. Sure. I love this one. Jeremiah <laughs> 23, 24. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord, his Omniscient, omnipresent, superior, glory fills the entire universe, and that's what we'll get to bask in forever and ever. Yeah. That just brings me such joy. I mean, I get goosebumps just
1: yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, I think that's so true. It's and it just reminds me of the same thing with Psalm 139. It's like everywhere I am, you see me in the othermost parts of the sea, you see me. In the dark, you see me. You that's know, right. uh, you see everything that's gonna happen, you're in control of everything that's happened. And I th- I think as we talk about this, it's the ultimate fulfillment of the creative order when we are there with God. God for all of eternity. it's what He created us for. That's right. So it's going to be the, the ultimate in joy and celebration and glory beyond anything that we can possibly imagine because that is what we were created for. That is what we, God wants for us is to spend eternity with him. That's right. And as you said, it's you know it's really it's God did everything. all we have to do is accept the gift.
0: That's right, and that's what we do. We celebrate the greatest gift ever given—that's right—in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, I hope you've been encouraged. I know Dr. Ford and I could probably spend another hour <laughs> to uh, you know just or so you, you maybe even a full week uh, sure. on this discussion of the physics of heaven. But if you're looking for a place to go and worship, please uh, consider Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley. Mm-hmm. We, we're a small fellowship, and we're looking on the south end of Colorado Springs. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., but we are a family, and we'd love to worship with you. In fact, we've got a shuttle bus. We'll come pick you up. Right now, we are studying about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We just went through the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke 3, and we're going to continue in this study so that by the time we celebrate Christmas, we have remembered it is all about Christ, and we want you to be encouraged. Thank you again for listening to Engage in Truth. And we hope to see you again next week. God bless you. Take care.